0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Uh, today on the show, I'll be talking to Tony Shaloub. In a bit, it was a it was a nice chat. He's a great guy, and I was excited to talk to him. He's very good in in Mrs. Maisel, uh, but he's also been great in everything he's ever done. My I think my first experience with uh, Tony was uh, probably in Barton Fink, uh, which he was great in Barton Fink. But I I would be, you know, I I got to tell you what's going on because this is a this is audio some of you know me very well from listening to me and I you know I don't want to sound heavy-hearted or fucked up to you in a way where you're like what's up but I I am heavy-hearted today and I know it's Monday and I don't want to you know bum anybody out but uh you know things happen you know obviously the world is out of our control sure you know there's horror stories every day all around us but uh my little uh my little kitten Buster Kitten uh, is sick and he's he's very sick and he's in the hospital now I don't know when this stuff happens I I I always think about other people uh, with bigger problems with uh, you know real illness and, and family members and themselves a tragedy whatever but this this is my life and this kitten you know I've gotten to love this kitten and and he's you know he's in the hospital he's 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 sick you know and uh the I, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with him but uh i well, i do know exactly what's wrong with him i don't know really how it happened you know the a few days ago he was throwing up and he threw up a few times during the day and he wasn't eating but it, these are cats i've been dealing with cats for years and it happens sometimes and yeah, I didn't know whether I should take him in. I didn't take him in. And then that night I got home, he, he, his energy was okay, but he still was not eating. And I loaded him up. I called the emergency vet in Eagle Rock and I was like, you know, should I bring him in? And of course they're like, yeah, bring him in. And then I looked at him and I said, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to just do it in the morning. And, you know, cause he'd had some sort of stomach thing before and well, the next morning I... I got up early and he was, it was a, I don't know, you know. So I brought him into my vet and there's a new vet there, thank God. And you know he was really good, this guy Doctor Ram. Uh, and uh, you know we, I told him about the stomach thing. He looked at the past files and then he did blood tests. And uh, you know he comes out, he says, "Look, this this cat, you know is in is in kidney failure right now," and I'm like, "What the fuck." this is a two and a half year old cat you know this is a you know a black cat and um and I like what do we do and you know he said well you I you know it's 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 Friday I you know we're you know he needs he's gonna need 24 hour care or we got to put him on foods and antibiotics we don't know what it is and then I started thinking like did he did he eat some of this poison shit? You know, then I started thinking, like, wait a minute, you know, he was kind of licking his dick the other day, you know, last week on Sunday, on last Sunday. And I think there, you know, was there might have been bloody pee in the box, but I, you know, sometimes Fonda does that. I didn't know if it was blood. I didn't know if it was, you know, shit. You, I don't know, man. Yeah, you know, I got three cats over here. And I'm not trying to let myself off the hook. I, the, the best, apparently, that can happen is that it's, uh, that it's an actual infection and it's not toxic and that, you know, that you, hopefully, I don't know. I'm waiting to hear today. So I took him to another vet that has 24-hour care and, um, you know, and we, we got him, you know, on it and he's been over there. And, y- you know, I don't, I don't have children, you know, I don't have a lot of debt. I don't live a big life and, and know, I've been critical in my life about people who spend what seems like a lot of money on cats. But, you know, look, I'm 55, five, I'm you know, I'm going to spend uh, a little money to see if I can save this guy, you know, so I'm waiting to hear, you know, I just, uh, it's weird what you go through when when you're a cat owner or a pet owner like especially one with no kids and not a ton of successful relationships behind you you know you know why you know we get very emotionally invested you know in these animals and and i try to think about that because people are like they're like your kids well they're not really like kids they're, they're very different than kids obviously i i you know he's sick Buster is he's in intensive care and, and I'm I'm not sitting here thinking I had a whole future planned out for that cat. I you know, I wanted to get him into a good kindergarten so he could go to a good uh, elementary school or whatever and I you know, I wanted to, you know, him to win track meets and stuff. I, I didn't, you know, I had none of those expectations. But that doesn't make it any less upsetting. It does in a sense because there are plenty of cats out there and you build a relationship with these things. But what I was thinking about this morning is that, you know, some of us who own animals, that's what we can handle emotionally. That That's not sad. It's not weird. You know, sometimes maybe it's just a reflection of what we know about ourselves. You know, some of us are, are not built for the child rearing in the long haul. You know, maybe we could adapt to it. But, you, you know, there's something about, you know, having a pet where, it you know, the emotional connection is is manageable you you know it's 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 something we can handle that we you know it's relatively consistent and it can last a long time and it's deep and it's honest and and it's it doesn't it doesn't change a whole lot and you know if you're lucky you get to you know grow old with your with your your stupid animals i mean i got monkey and Lafonda in there and those are the longest relationships i've had it's been 15 years and you know, they've changed, but it's just consistency and you can take care of them. And and the thing about cats more than dogs is that it's not always perfect because you realize like they don't really need you that much in, in some ways. They're not loyal. So you have an understanding, an emotional understanding. And I was building one with Buster and, you know, he was a very unique cat is, I'm sorry, is, I hope I'm waiting to hear. And, um, but, you know, he fetches, he's unique looking, he's kind of p- peculiar and smart and, you know, he's an energetic guy. He is. Uh, we went over and visited him yesterday. You know, and then I'm like, am I that guy? But, so, yeah, I am that guy. I'm, you know, I'm going to go visit my fucking uh, cat at the hospital to see how he's doing. So, I don't know. Hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best I'll know today. You know? And this is just, you know, this is my life. And it's like, it's different, but it's weird. I, I, That that moment that I had that sense that, like, you know, this is why we have cats. Because, you know, it's what we can handle. You know? In that way. So, but I, I... you know, I, I wasn't going to read this email because I, I don't know really what it says about me or what it is really, but it, it's it, it has some bearing on on what's happening right now. Okay, how do I how do I transition to an ad? <laughs> Shit. Maybe all right. Maybe I I should read the email after and uh, pull it together a little here. Um, and I'll tell you, like a lot of you people don't even know. It's okay, but I, you know, someone came up to me last night and he's like, who's Boomer? If you listen all the way to the end of this show and you hear me say Boomer Lives, uh, you know, people are like, some people come up to me and go, how's Boomer doing? And it's like, Boomer's not around. What does that mean? And I realized that we've been doing this so long, you know, over almost a thousand episodes that some people don't know, you know, what Boomer Lives means. And many of you who have been with me the whole time have been through a lot of stuff with these cats and other cats. When I lived at the old house, you know, it was a little more rural and there was a lot of cats coming and going. And, you know, I had deaf black cat who for years, that deaf, weird, feral cat that I had, I used to feed. And and he was, you know, he was he 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 ended violently, you know, with another animal. He got he was killed by a coyote. But it was a a decade of, of relationship with this cat that I couldn't even touch. And then there was a big head, you know, is still around out there. He started coming around and then there was scaredy cat who, you know, got hit by a car eventually another feral and then scaredy two was around. And then there was one that uh, came around the house back at the old house from, you know, like a decade ago and then showed up like eight years later just to die under my house. And then there was another one that used to hang out on my porch, a wild cat that you know, was clearly ill that I had to put down. And all through this, I had monkey and La Fonda. And then earlier, you know, when I was with uh, my second wife, Mishnah, she had Moxie, who was a great cat, fat little cat that used to fetch things. And you know, in my sadness and anger during the divorce, I made her take Moxie away, which was probably a mistake. I probably could have used Moxie, but Boomer, Boomer, for a little backstory, and this is a transition. You know, this uh, Boomer was a cat when I moved to New when I moved from New York to Los Angeles in two thousand and two. I went to a a, a, um, a shelter uh, with Mishnah, and I looked around at all these old cats. Some it looked like people had just left them places, but there was this one skittish, fucked up, crazy ginger cat, and I'm like, "That's my guy, the nut." Couldn't even get him in a cage. I now realize he was a feral cat that someone brought in because of you know my other cats were feral, and but Boomer, you know, eventually somewhat got socialized and. He was with me for like, I don't know, almost a decade. We moved him to the other house. He used to pee on everything and then he was outside. So for years, you know, Boomer sort of held up the porch and was out there with the wild things. And he was a very unique cat. He had a very sweet voice. And I kind of regret having put him outside, but he just peed on everything. He peed where we ate, where we, my shoes, everywhere. So he lived outside and he lived out there for years. And at some point, he disappeared and. And I don't know what happened to him. That's Sometimes I think that's harder. Sometimes it's better. I just assume that maybe he went on to a better life. And that's where Boomer Lives comes from. I guess he disappeared probably like eight years ago. But uh, but that's where that comes from. That's a short history of me and the cats. It is what it is. And, you know, this is life. So I I didn't know if I was going to read this letter. But I will because it's strange for me. Sometimes being a public personality because I'm not a huge celebrity or anything, but I am a public personality. And I and people who know me or, you know, they now know my work from a lot of different areas with acting or whatnot. And I don't really know what they're uh, recognizing me from or whatever. But, uh, you know, I as I've always tried to be gracious and but it, it is sort of interesting the world we live in that we're all pretty accessible and, you know, things get through to us. You know, I I didn't mean for this to have this impact, but but I it, it the, when I read this the, when it came in it it, it, it it was it was the first thing that sort of connected me with how I was feeling because you get when you have a sick you know anything and and you're trying to take care of it and you're in that panic of trying to to save something or help something or uh, you know make it okay you, you know you're not thinking about really yourself you're not thinking about how you're being seen or others or anything so. I got this email and it, it really connected me with what I was feeling uh, because I, I stuff things down. You know, I stuff I, you know, I don't I really try to. If I'm going to cry, I'm going to do it alone or in and, and that sometimes is here on this microphone. <laughs> I'm, I'm alone right now. Believe it or not, I am. So the email. Uh, lessons learned at the vet. Hi, Mark. I've been listening since 2010, not in a dramatic 180 kind of way. Of course, radio fandom runs in my family. My dad had Gene Shepard and I get a lot out of your show. It's a beacon in the dark. Last night I was with my daughter at the vet with a little dog we'd adopted from a shelter the day before that very sweet dog surprised us all and turned out to be very sick while we were waiting in the lobby to talk with the vet. I knew the dog wasn't going to make it. Anyway, that's when you walked in. You were with your lady, I guess, who seemed real cool. I could tell you were both totally focused on care for your cat, and I could tell it was a tough night for you, too. I'm in show business. You're one of my heroes, but I'm not an approacher, so I felt a little sheepish just sitting there witnessing the scene, but what I saw was a big deal. I struggle with the business. I struggle with illusions and mistakes, honesty and yeah even booze and you've narrated those struggles for me given them context and turned them into gold i put you on a pedestal for that if you don't have it all figured out at least you've reached a level of self-awareness that defines your ultra successful art i also love to see you on the screen because i identify with you just a matter of shared traits there are lots of us you are a massive personality that night at the vet i saw something different I saw a man who cared about his pet, <sighs> someone expressing unconditional love. I saw someone coping with the bullshit of medical forms and responsibilities, waiting in waiting rooms, just hoping your little buddy wasn't suffering. I think it's a beautiful thing you were doing, just totally human. And it helped me, it helped me deal with the loss we suffered last night when we knew that our little crickets short life was over. I want to say thank you for all that you do, for caring about your cat and everyone else you've spoken to in that intimate space between our ears where your show is piped right in. You've made us all feel better, and that's all the more profound, knowing you are a real goddamn human being. Thanks, man, a thousand times for being you, Ivan. Well, I do my best, buddy, and I'm sorry for your loss, for for your new little friend, and, uh, and uh, you know... I gotta tell you, man, this, this email really kind of, I guess it, sometimes it takes, it's weird, you know, you have this, you know, an outsider view and, you know, I'm just caught up in it, but it, you know, I'm, I think I'm feeling more, more feelings for, for what you're going through actually, but, uh, but it's good. It's, it's good. Fuck. I don't know. Fuck. Okay. Tony Shaloub. great guy, and uh, the the second season of Marvelous Miss Maisel is now streaming on Amazon Prime. And you know, it was a it was uh, it was just a, a pleasure talking to him. This is me and Tony. so wait so you're you're gonna do a season three In starting in march in march but i've been down since mid-september right yeah i watched like uh, i watched the whole first season i've watched like six of the new ones so and you've f- seen the Catskills? Stuff yes that. yeah yeah that was fun no, I, 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 I'm I, surprised I like it. <laughs> because yeah. it's a very specific, Miss Maisel is a very specific type of show, but it's so specific and it's so, they're so attentive to detail and there's such a rhythm to the writing and, and it's like, it, it, and I'm a comic, so yeah. it, I, I get very moved by the whole thing. It, it, it works for me. Oh, good. I, I really like it and I like it. Your character really has a lot to do this season. Yeah, mean, yeah, they really boosted my part. It's weird because how do you, how do how
1: are you finding people responding to the show in general? Well, it's the show's blowing up. It's yeah, it's crazy. It I mean, is. We were in. Um, we did a whole press junket yeah prior to the premiere uh, in early December in New York. Yeah, right after that and before the premiere hit, we we went to Milan. Yeah, and we did another press junket for all of the European press and outlets and. Uh huh. And when we were there, then it really started to become obvious that it was, it was catching fire, you know, around the world, globally, crazy, yeah. And we, we actually had people interviewing us, you know, uh, the Italian press, of course, was there. People yeah. from Germany, Spain, France, yeah. Uh, and we were on doing phoners with people in India, and no I was kidding, thinking, how how is this working in India? Um, they seem to really have. Uh, embrace the show, they dropped these episodes, you know, all at the same time everywhere. Mm-hmm. Our our premiere date was December 5th, yeah. I think. And, you know, in, in, in the old days when I did Network and Even Cable, you know, you did a season and yeah. that aired and then two years later or something, that season would air in Europe right. and then it would go to the Far East. get bought and syndicated. Whatever. And right. Russia. and But, you know, they were always, I would get, letters and things they were always two or three years behind right right and now it's everything goes everywhere at the same moment
0: well the i just like the like i don't like the reason i say i'm surprised i like the show because i don't watch a lot of things and it's such a um either it's such a specific sort of world and the the device of it to to sort of put a feminist voice you know in that period you know which i i think is the the device of it as a comic because i know that comics of that ilk were not women then right and they and they are now yeah and then to sort of set this in and
1: it's just the writing is so tight how i mean well the, i think that's the thing about it too is that it's, it takes place in the f- late 50s yeah and so i think there's a a need for us to escape uh, you know for viewers to escape yeah. the present day uh, madness and um, but at the same time it's not just a nostalgia piece it has a modern right you know sensibility right it sort of bridges the two periods I yeah think, you know, in a, a smart way
0: yeah and also like uh, and that's the thing it's like you're not watching it is it's nostalgia in one way but the 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 sort of attention to detail of the period you know really goes a long way I mean it just seems like you know every frame, mm-hmm. including the dialogue and the look and the the pace and the costumes and everything else, they're just they're like jewel boxes. I mean they're 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 they're, they're meticulous in terms of their attention to detail. And it's it's heightened somewhat. You it's, know, it's very not, heightened.
1: It's not we're not trying to paint an absolutely uh, authentic no. re, rep, you know uh, reproduction of that period. It's it's more almost people have referred to it kind of more like a musical in a way. It's, That's it's, right. It's kind of Bright and colorful, and right. energy, and 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 there is a lot of music just inherent in it, and it's ri- written in a kind of r- 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 you know rhythm. Yeah, and it has that heightened. Right, feeling. You, you're not sitting there going like it wasn't
0: really like this.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, in it, and it, it comedy, it, and it, right.
0: You know. And it's and but it, it does it's not but it's not like you know I mean you've done three camera stuff it's not a joke to joke thing really no so so like it's one of these hybrids where you realize that this is not supposed to be realism right but and you realize it's heightened but because of the shininess of it and the pace of it and and also the emotional range of the thing right it you, the, you the love stakes it. are very high it is it's like it's a musical not a sitcom no.
1: And, it is uh, like a musical uh, a little bit. It is, yeah. yeah. I think that's, you know, there's there's kind of there's choreographed what what almost fe- they're not actual dance numbers, but they feel like oh, were you know, people coming and going, moving through rooms, yeah. and turning and yeah, and spinning and 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 those are, <clears throat> you know, uh, long long uh, master shots, long takes, yeah, without, without a lot of cuts, and those are rehearsed like. Like a almost like a play, I mean, they're re- they really have to be precise with the steady cam and all of the background, and that's so like that's not just uh, you know,
0: that's, a, that's a very um, deliberate, very, yeah. but deliberate. But as an actor, I mean, that's that's one of those, it's like a play, it's like doing a musical that you're the requirement isn't just like hit your mark, do your line, no, you've, no, that's <laughs> you, right. you've got a dance number to do in a way, <laughs> like that scene, just even in that bit where. You guys are rearranging the furniture in the Catskills cabin. The, the things coming out, things going in. Thing. There's a, and that's just a lead into the sh- the episode.
1: Yeah, the camera lays lays back and, and and stays in that wide master. Right, but there's all that stuff. It, it goes on for four minutes. <laughs> <It's> fantastic. <laughs> Does it remind you of doing? You've done musicals. Uh, well, I did one musical this past year. Uh, the band's visit, which is not a. Which not a conventional musical. Oh, you didn't like so when you were starting out. You didn't do any. Yeah, I mean, I maybe you know when I was in school and you know in theater, I did one or two. But I was not a musical guy. Yeah. But um, but it this does have a this has. Does have a feel like we're doing a play every week? I bet, yeah. I bet it does. And
0: that, how much? I'm curious about this because, like, I'm on a show. Yeah, it's a great. Simultaneous show. to yours, thank you. But I'm just curious in terms of her writing, like Amy Sherman Palladino. Is it
1: Amy Sherman? Amy Sherman. Yeah, yeah her dad was a comic, right? He was. Uh, it's not Don, Alan Don Sherman. Don Sherman. Yeah, he was. Uh, you can actually see him on YouTube. He's really funny. He was a guy who. Uh, what I've seen of him, he was on a like, cruise ship. Uh, oh, comic. that kind of guy! But he was a Borscht Belt guy. He sure, was coming up with, you know, Jack Carter and all yeah, those guys, yeah. Freddie and, Roman and, yeah, and Jan Murray, were, and they were all Jan Murray, mm-hmm. all those guys. When I was a kid, we used to see on Ed Sullivan. And sure, that. and uh, and he was rising, 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 and, and he just didn't quite, you know, uh, yeah, Danstrom didn't sure. quite break through like yeah. those other guys did. But he was, you can watch him, and he's really funny. There's a lot of those guys, man. And there's a there's a lot of those. In that world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? So she really knows it. Well, that's what she's kind of writing about, and her mother was a, and still is actually she's still kicking, um, uh, a kind of cabaret singer, you know, dancer. Oh, really? She's amazing. She's in her eighties. She's still doing, doing, doing
0: it. Yes. So, oh, so, but so, like, my question is, how uh, many, how much writing is still going on when you shoot? Like, no, we, how many
1: times do you read through it? Uh, we do a table read yeah. for each episode. Yeah, um, There's like a hundred people in the room. You know, really, Oh yeah, all the designers, are Amazon people. No kidding, it's a big room, in. Uh, in Brooklyn, in yeah. New York, and um, uh, but that's it. We read it, we read it once, yeah. There's some um, f- changes, some changes are made, yeah, not not a lot, doesn't change drastically. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and then we start, uh, you know, uh, there's all uh, whatever location scouts they have to do, and then we just hit the ground running, and yeah, we do them in 10 days, 10 days each episode, yeah, but they're full hour, you know, there's no commercials or anything, so. It's a full sixty minutes of uh, craziness. And everything's on location? Well, we do we have a we have outstanding set. sets yeah. on the sound stage at at Steiner Studios yeah. near um, Brooklyn Navy Yard. So a- what do you a- got? You got the apartment there and you got the nightclub there? Mm-hmm. We got uh, B Altman's uh, some of the interior. Oh yeah, of B. yeah. Uh-huh. There, the uh-huh. the basement. Uh-huh. And um, you know, there's then they build sets for each individual. There's certain you know permanent standing sets, yeah. and then there's some what they call swing sets where they just you know build them and tear them down. And right, right. So some but of the you- some of the Catskills stuff uh, we shot a lot of the Catskills on location, but some of the interiors like the. Um, the breakfast room and all that was uh was done on the stage
0: you shot you shot on location in the catskills but you had
1: to build one of those camps they're not around anymore right no 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 that was there we found uh, really they, they found a place yeah that's and, uh, still there it's it's not i don't know that we were actually in the catskills that we were a little west of, uh-huh. of the catskills in a town called deposit new york uh-huh and um at, at this resort, that's really locked in time. I mean, it's it's still functioning. It's crazy. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, in fact, when they visited the uh, they visited this location uh, the year before we shot season two, they uh, you know they discovered they had a, so old bowling alleys. So they wrote a bowling alley scene. They wrote the episodes to Around the, location. the place. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, it became a character. Absolutely right. And uh, it suited, uh, I mean, this is a place that is just so beautiful. And so uh, it it has never been, not to speak disparagingly of it, but it's never been upgraded or, or you know, kind of modernized. So it's, it really feels like you're, you're <laughs> back there. Really? Uh-huh. So, did, and you shot in France? We shot in two episodes in Paris, so... Um, Have you been there a lot? I had not spent that much time in Paris. I'd been to France a number of times, but... We were there for 3 weeks and it was heaven. Yeah. Mm. Do you speak French? No. No. That was a French the no, French no by the way. Not the uh, <laughs> English no. Uh, <laughs> very little, but enough to order the right wine and the right kind of uh, you know, foie gras. So. Yeah. So, you're, so you're, you so know, you your character's not that far from you in that way. <laughs> right. Right. Um it was great. We uh we were at, in Paris in uh in March of last year. Yeah and uh some of we had brought some of our crew with us but um and there were a lot of uh it were french you know yeah french crew too and uh it was just an amazing experience oh, and, great. They lo- and they were into it they loved the show from season one
0: and they did sure it's a, it's yeah, so it's it's, it's 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 exciting, man. It's exciting to be part of a, an international phenomenon. Well, I feel like I got I was very lucky, and I sort of
1: stepped onto the right bus here.
0: Uh huh. Um, How what, yeah? What was the audition process? Did they pick you? They knew they wanted uh, you, or they that
1: called work? me? I didn't read. They they just asked me if I was uh, interested, and yeah. I read the pilot. We only had the pilot to go yeah. on, and it wasn't much. There wasn't much of my character in the pilot. I mean, it was a few scenes, yeah. but um, but they assured me that it was going to be expanded. And I love the, I love that period first yeah. of all, and I like the the uh, the writing and uh, made me laugh. And so I figured, you know, how bad could it be? Yeah,
0: I didn't know what was going to happen. Like in terms of your character, because it, it, the weird thing about the show is that when you first start watching it, you think it's broad. You know, you think the characters are broad, right? And then you know, you realize it sort of sneaks up on you that they're not really that there. There's a lot of depth, and there's very there's a lot of definition. And I imagine a lot of that you guys bring to the roles, but they're not. You, you know, in the first few episodes, I was like, "Well, they just what are they going to do with Tony?" You know, yeah. they, And then like, and in this season and, and half of the last season, you really have an emotional depth to the thing. You know, you're not just uh,
1: you you know this this presence. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it it definitely uh with all of us I yeah. think the um the complexity of the characters has, has expanded and uh yeah, because <clears throat> her life when when her husband leaves her yeah in the first episode yeah. of the first season um you know, her life is impacted and there's all this upheaval of course, but as it it takes a while for um, you know, uh, for the, in the story, f- to see the, the the ripple effect of that upheaval, yeah, f- to uh, the ripple effect to all the other characters, yeah. everyone's life changes in in this story to yeah. a, to a degree, especially the family, yeah. And and Joel's family, you know, the the Mazels, um, you know, the people who run Pollock, the, the garment, Kevin Pollack. Oh my god, and what's and, her and name? Caroline Aaron, genius, genius. genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we see the ripple effect of this one action and even the ripple effect to Joel her ex her husband and how and his regret and his kind of disconnection from from you know from what was his life yeah and he's everyone sort of seems to be kind of landing and he's not landing he's just kind of floating out there doesn't know what to do is having a gigantic identity crisis. Yeah, so so it's good. It's good. It's not just about this one character.
0: And also, like the the, the Jewish middle class of that time mm-hmm. is a very specific thing. You know, it's like right. So that's like one generation from immigrants. Most of them, sure. And uh, this is the first sort of uh, this is the first generation to kind of find their place.
1: But you didn't like you didn't grow up Jewish. No. I grew up in a Lebanese American family. My father was an immigrant. Yeah. Uh, but um is there a similarity in the Semitic uh like I, I Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> very I mean, much so. you're, you're you're of desert people. are <laughs> yeah, we're, se- we're, we're <laughs> t- technically we're Semites. Yeah, so, I know, right. You know, um it's it's not a it's 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 really very close. How
0: would you grow up? What was your religion?
1: Well, we were Catholic, I guess. I mean, you know, just sort of that was the that we grew up in a, you know, we went to parochial school and all that. Where was this? In Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. So, an unlikely place for an enclave of Lebanese people. Right. I mean, was there a community? Mostly they were my relatives. No really? Yeah. I mean, y- you know, uh, it was a smaller uh, smaller community of of Lebanese How'd people. your old man end up there? You know... <sighs> I asked that question many times. Yeah. Never got a straight answer. You know, it was like all immigrants, you know, the the people, whatever ethnicity they were of, uh, you know, people came to New York or came to Boston or whatever and, or, or some of them went to South America and you know, they just kind of moved west because they were following whatever wherever the work was and when certain a certain area, a certain region, uh, you know, the factories or whatever filled up and then people had to keep moving and somehow they ended up there. I don't know. Do you know why he left Lebanon? Oh sure. He left because uh, right it was right after the first world War. His parents had died there. He was the youngest of five. Sibling, he had uh, four siblings. Yeah. And and they were, it was really, really tough times there. And the parents had passed away within a year or two of each other. And they were sent for by re- relatives already living here. Cause everybody, you had to be sponsored of course. You did. But they came through Ellis Island. My dad, you know, they were orphans and they came. How old was he? He was eight. Oh wow. The oldest on the boat was only like 17. she, So, and she, um, they, they came together and they didn't speak English. They didn't. All five siblings came. Uh, I believe the first one was already here because she had gone to school. Uh, she was the eldest and she had gone to school in France, I guess, but, and so she had made her way here Mm -hmm. and, but she couldn't have been maybe even 20 and, you know, but of the ones that were coming over on the boat, the oldest was, I think 17 or 18 and my dad was eight and they. Came on and landed at Ellis Island and took train. I guess a train Uh to uh, to the Midwest and were met by other relatives. And and, you know what was what was really kind of heartbreaking was that the relatives that they met uh, there in Wisconsin. Well, no one family could have the wherewithal to take them all in. Sure, so they were kind of split up. To, but it, you know, split up, well, this one would go with this per- relative and this one would go this one. But home. in the neighborhood? In the, relatively in the same community, uh-huh. but not in the same household. uh uh-huh. So it was, uh, and then they had to, you know, assimilate and learn English and all that. And, um, it's while trying to hold on to their, you know, heritage too. So yeah. Like, like, like the immigrant experience. Yeah. So, um. Wow, Green Bay, and then it gets cold there. And then they, my <laughs> dad bought season tickets, and I still have them. And so it's, it's a happy ending. Are you serious? Oh yes, I've eight. If you ever want to go, yeah, I mean forever. You yeah. had them since your father? Well, I I had my they were yeah passed down, and my father I think even had sixteen. But anyway, somehow I ended up with eight. And um, I, I try to go to at least a game or two, but <clears throat> when I can't go, other family members still live there. You
0: grew up with loving football.
1: Well. You had, had to. It was, it was mandatory. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Lombardi years. You know, that was. Oh, right. It was right. It was There's like the go, glory. Days. It was like going to church. It yeah. was fantastic. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not. I was never geared towards sports, mm. and I think I missed something. You never got it. that gene. I did not. It yeah. has to be. It has to be passed down to you, uh, behaviorally. Oh, by a by a parent or an uncle or yeah.
1: a sibling. Well, I think my dad. Uh, you know, he was a big guy. And uh, he played football in high school. Yeah. So that was kind of part of uh, that was Part of our thing. Yeah. yeah. And and he you know he was a he loved going to the games and it was kind of a thing. Take his friends and his customers and his how many kids? Know, there were ten of us. That's crazy. I was not number nine of ten. You
0: were the ninth one. Yeah. So you have second
1: youngest. You have uh, siblings that are how old? Uh wow, my oldest sister I think just turned seventy nine. Wow, she probably wouldn't want me to say that sorry, sherry, <laughs> and you know all of them you get along well and <laughs> we all get together you know uh, for a week in the summer we uh, we have family reunions we are all very we still stay, stay close you know i mean we live in some are still in Wisconsin, but well, the two sisters in Atlanta and a sister in Sacramento. Uh-huh. we're we're all a brother in denver we're all over the place, but we um stay, stay close and try to so don't now our kids, we try to keep them closed. And it's a lot, huh? It's a it's a, it's a handful.
0: I bet. So so ten kids. That's crazy. That's really Catholic. It was bedlam. Yeah. <laughs> Total
1: pandemonium. <laughs> and what is your how did your old man support ten kids? Good thing about being a family in a family of ten is you you, you, you have a built in audience. Right. Always. Right. You know, you know? Which is probably why i chose this oh yeah uh how did my dad do it i don't know you know he was a really he was an independent businessman he yeah. just figured it out did you know we weren't we were you know very middle class or yeah. lower middle class right I guess you'd say but um we never really were you know it's not like we were wanting for too much what, I mean, was the, what was the business he was a meat peddler he sold he sold uh sausage yeah he bought from this little german a sausage company in Sheboygan, which was about forty miles away, and then he had a route and he built it up and he sold to stores and various places, and uh, he built up his own business. And here's the cool the meat part. business. Well, yeah, meat yeah. and, and uh, it was great. You know, it wasn't like commercially made. It was like the Oscar Mayer thing. It so was he like, found this the German sausage maker who there were a lot of them in Wisconsin, but sure, they, know, they yeah. were doing the real thing. You know, yeah. not they eventually they all got kind of. Yeah. you know, kind of crushed by the larger companies. Right. But, but at this period, you know, the, the, you know, people were... And it was kind of... He believed in it. It was quality stuff. He was yeah. a really good salesman, I guess. And he just... Here was the cool part, though. He... he. I remember this when I was growing up. He worked four days a week. Uh-huh. He could have built it up and worked six days a week and made a lot more money and probably... and uh, But he had a lot of kids and he was a real you know he valued his time mm-hmm. and his uh you know his family and his other uh, you know the relatives and yeah so, forth. so he figured out a way to work just as many hours worked hard yeah but but had you know those three days it was great um, he he knew like he knew what life was supposed to be yeah and he always told us too. he said you know. He he was a big proponent of you know being your own boss, yeah, and not having to work you know for the man, right? <laughs> um, and he always had sausage. And we always ate. We had a lot of sausage. Yeah. We had, we had it for breakfast. It was just, well, we, were, we need something. We just go out to the truck and open a box boom. Yeah. There. Was it other meats or just sausage? Uh, you know, it was like different, all different kinds. Was, yeah. And then they got into like the, he opened a little shop that was like a mail order thing. It was kind of like candies, cheese, and sausage. And, uh-huh. And it was kind of like one of those um, uh, things. So was, he had a cheese eight, guy too. Uh, yeah. He was, well, it was Wisconsin. Yeah. So I know was, exactly. It was everywhere. Yeah. you tripped over it in the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, he was a pretty cool guy. Actually. And your mom, did she work? She, uh, well, she worked her ass off, but she was right, 10 kids. mother of 10. And, yeah. um, whew, man, when I think about what she did, I, ah, man. she, she was amazing. I mean, she was just running up and down stairs doing laundry line, you know, she was, she was, uh, she ke- kept it all together. Yeah. Imagine cooking for 12 people for that many years. and, and it's uh, crazy. Crazy. And she was, she, she was really exhausted. And then having I mean, to love them as well. Yeah. She, <laughs> she was loving. And she, you know, I remember these days when, I don't know how this woman did it. I mean, cause yeah. my wife and I, we had two kids and we had help and we yeah. couldn't figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we screwed up everything. <laughs> but she made our, she made our Halloween costumes and did our school projects and Uh I I, I mean I just can't even imagine it yeah and plus that was in a day when you know there was a lot of there wasn't a lot of permanent press right so you know there was a she was ironing when she wasn't cooking and doing laundry and she was ironing no help I mean I don't know it's crazy it's crazy yeah and I I think one, one of my early memories one of my early memories I think I was like in first grade yeah and we were um you know my homework was to um you know to like read aloud to my to my mother for you know 15 minutes or whatever and uh i just i remember sitting on the couch after dinner and i was you know reading very you know stilted thing and reading my book to her and um at one point, I looked up and she was just fast asleep. She was sitting, you know, <laughs> sitting straight up with her glasses on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Out. And I just like, I thought, of course, <laughs> you know, I'm like number nine for oh, God's sake. Man. Yeah. Maybe she listened to my older siblings' books, <laughs> but and I didn't. You know, I was like, wasn't upsetting. It was just like, yeah. Yeah. So Makes I sense. Jumped off the couch and went about <laughs> my business.
0: Let her sleep nine so she had the hang of it by the time you got there well she was over it
1: <laughs> oh, over it i mean I, I think i
0: got away with a lot of things my older siblings didn't, didn't. how many was what's the breakdown between men and uh, boys and girls six girls four boys
1: wow yeah and did anyone else end up in the entertainment industry sure my i have a sister an older sister susan who's actually uh is on stranger things oh. she's flo she's the sheriff's you know Oh yeah, yeah, Secretary, yeah. Researcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. She's great. She's been a theater actor forever and done film and stuff. And now she lives in Atlanta, and uh, so um, you know, I guess you it's somewhere it? in the blood. Yeah. Know. And Just you two though in the show business. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's do there. I have a couple other siblings that do it, kind of you know, community theater stuff, right? This and that, just to kind of just for fun. Anybody in the meat business? <laughs> uh, no no <laughs> no well i'm in the meat business aren't i
0: i'm a piece of meat <laughs> yeah that you move around move the meat around yeah how does it begin though like uh when do you start doing the acting in high school
1: <sighs> did you were you a football guy or no i wasn't a, i tried to be a football guy and i got my ass kicked um <clears throat> yeah i did a little in high school and um you know college i guess where'd you go to college? I went, well, I started University of Wisconsin in Green Bay, but then I moved, uh, I transferred out to uh, Portland, Maine. I went to the University of Maine in Portland, which happened to have a really good theater department. But you didn't go for that? No, I didn't know what I was doing when I moved. Why'd was you just, pick that school? Because I needed to get out of Green Bay. Yeah. And I needed to get, I needed to have a little bit of a, you know, change and shake up. And I, I was, <clears throat> when I first went to college, to be completely honest, yeah. I wasn't really pursuing anything. I was... I was just kind of buying time and avoiding getting a job. Right. Um, as many. And what, what what years were these,
0: or were they, what, was it crazy times in the country? What year, like you're what, 10 years older than me? I
1: was, uh, it was in the, I went to college in the 70s, early, mid 70s. It was, you know, Watergate was happening in the mid 70s. Yeah. And the war was tr- trying to wind down. But I was, you know, I was, uh, when I was a senior in high school, when I was 18. Yeah. We had to draft, you know, lottery. Yeah. So that was still scary. And, and what happened I, with like, you? Well, I I got a, my number wasn't really that high, frankly, but it was, um, this was 72. Yeah. And my number was, I think it was just a, a, like around 100 mm-hmm. or 10, 110. It wasn't high. Yeah. But that year, because things were beginning to draw down. Um, and there was protests, right? I mean, it was. Oh, well, yeah. That all started in the late 60s. Yeah. I think my year they were only going up to seventy-five, and my number was just over a hundred. So, but but the year before they were definitely into the hundred, into uh, mid 100s So it was a, it was a little bit of a nail biter. There. And none of your siblings had to go. My older brother Michael was in Vietnam. Yeah, he was in the uh, in the sixties. Oh yeah, he's about twelve years older than me. So, that would have been. Um, uh, he did not he, I don't know, I think he got drafted or he enlisted or whatever, but he yeah. was there, he was over there. Luckily it was, uh, he, he was right in Saigon, yeah. but it was before Saigon fell. So he was not seeing a lot of combat thing, but it was, my mother was just, she was a wreck during that whole couple of year period. Yeah. And he fared all right. He, he came home. So yeah. We did all right.
0: Yeah. So you got, so you didn't have to go to war. So you went to Maine.
1: <laughs> Which is kind of like <laughs> going to work. <laughs> no, Maine was fantastic. It's pretty. Uh, Portland was just so happening right then, and so, um, and you were just sort of biding your time. But I was. Trying. Then I discovered. You know, they they just. I did more theater, and and I just discovered that that was. know it might be my strong suit were
0: you like a long-haired guy were you doing Uh, experimental stuff a little
1: fro yeah Uh,
0: a lebanese fro yeah as opposed to the jew
1: fro a leb fro a leb fro (laughs) yeah you still got um, it oh please it was a lot (laughs) thicker then yeah huh um but yeah i just no we were doing you know whatever we could do and the school as i said had a really good theater department and um so i I was afforded a lot of opportunities and um and then I went to the Yale Drama School. From there, I was fortunate enough to get accepted to Yale.
0: Do you remember you what you
1: auditioned with? Oh, sure. Really? Oh, oh, was sure. it? We did, We had to do two pieces of modern, uh, modern classic, repeat, yeah. yeah, and one. Um, so, and they were, they each were two minutes long, which is not long. Yeah. I did uh, Malvolio from Twelfth Night. I remember, mm-hmm. and I did a piece from a. Uh, pinter play called the homecoming the homecoming yeah I did a lenny a lenny monologue. oh yeah those are good nice and dark dark yeah dark and <laughs> yeah, funny and yeah. twisted so um but you know and then i i got in crazy crazily enough was that a two-year program three-year master's program yeah i i mean i
0: auditioned for it but i was not in any way prepared oh i see yeah i didn't uh it was
1: all very last minute and uh-huh. it was uh ridiculous well, mine was ridiculous in the sense that it was the only school I auditioned for, which was stupid. You should audition for five yeah, of ten. Wh- was it because you like, if I get
0: in there, I was,
1: it was meant to be? No, and if it was I'm- because I was stupid and didn't even know. I came into it almost by... It was just a fluke. I didn't know anything about it, but a, a friend of mine's girlfriend who graduated the year before us had gotten in there. Uh, she had graduated you know, the year before us. And... She had gotten in, and she told me, you know, this would be a really good place where you should try. I had no idea where Yale was. I didn't even know where New Haven was. I didn't know anything. I just was not wasn't that far from I was where a, you were at. You're lucky you weren't in Wisconsin. No, no, I was. it was not that far. But I'm telling you, when I was a senior in college, I was in, even though I was doing plays, I was in a kind of a fog, in a deep fog. I don't know what, I can't even explain But you it. wanted to act. You liked acting. I knew acting. I wanted to act, but I, to be Completely honest, Mark, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a graduate drama program. I, you know, I just, it didn't, it wasn't not on my radar. <laughs> right. Nothing was on my radar. My radar was a blank screen. Were you lost? I was just, uh, I was an idiot. Ah. Huh. Yes, lost. A yeah. Lost idiot. And um, so ha- had she not gone there and told me about it and encouraged me. Yeah.
0: I would have. You know, I don't know where I... Did it have the reputation it has now? I mean, I guess sure. it, was. Well, it was. Meryl
1: Streep had just graduated, you know, three, four years before that. And so it was, yeah, I mean, it had a reputation. I didn't know what to, what I was doing or what to expect. What did you graduate college with? What was your degree in? It was theater. It was. Yeah. But I, but I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I, you know, there were num- a few opportunities in Maine for yeah. professional or semi-professional theater. But I assumed, you know, what would I do, teach or... right. And yeah end up working in a bar.
0: But did you like when you were acting in college, What did you feel like like this you were meant to do that? I mean, did you like did you relish it? Did you
1: I it, loved it, but yeah. I didn't I didn't believe or think that it was a vi- could be a viable career. Right. I just thought, "Well, this well, is that's... fun and I probably would love to do this as a hobby." Right. That's a reasonable
0: uh, uh uh thought to have, sure. but, but the fact that you didn't prepare anything else is <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you said, like this can't be a job, but uh I, I, had, really no, I had no plan B. Yeah, I had right, no did, plan A. Yeah,
1: right. I had nothing. <laughs> I was very, very
0: lucky. So you sat there and you auditioned for what, three people, right? Three or three or four people. Yeah.
1: And then I left the room. And yeah. There were, you know, hundreds of kids, you know, waiting to no kidding. audition. Uh-huh. They'd audition people in New Haven. They auditioned people in Three other cities, and in they the take 100. like nine. Oh, we, they took uh, Meyer. I think they took fifteen or sixteen uh-huh. out of hundreds, and yeah. now thousands that audition. Really? Oh yeah, thousands. That's crazy. But then there was like seven, eight hundred that, that audition, and they t- we had uh, sixteen in my class. Yeah, and then, um, but that was you know that was a place where we thought you know, when we were going there that that would we were going to have a, l- a life in the theater. And that you- was that was what it was geared to, not for. I mean that and then I, when I left Yale I went to uh, Regional Theater uh in Cambridge Massachusetts. United. How
0: much of what you learned there it, it sort of defines how you approach the uh, the acting now? Uh, or does it all just kind of
1: No, I think it, it 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 definitely informs it because we were it was all about doing characters and yeah. doing things that weren't close to yourself. Oh yeah. And transforming and you know trying to stretch and um, and my career has kind of been about doing characters. And, yeah. I guess. So, And the the structure of it was
0: like, like, that was one of those schools where you had to, you know, do sword fighting and dancing. And oh, we housing. had mov-
1: movement classes. We had stage combat. We had voice classes. Uh-huh. And we had, you know, uh, scene study and text analysis. What we didn't have, thank Christ, yeah, was, uh, you know, actual papers to write and tests to take. <laughs> <laughs> right. We didn't have that. We had it was all you know conservatory, and it, it was the Yale Repertory Theater was yeah. there, so it was a conservatory situation. Students were being fed into produc- professional productions at the Rep. Yeah, and and that was and some of those professionals were teachers at the
0: school, and so what was it? The, and then you started working shortly after, or were you
1: working during school? Were you in no, the I, Yale Rep? Did you get in? There? I I worked some at the Yale Rep. I mean, we were you know weren't exactly getting paid, but we right. Were, doing plays there. And then I after that, uh, Yale, I went to Cambridge and I worked in a regional theater, repertory theater. Uh, ART? That's right.
0: Yeah, and that place is... I, I lived in uh, Boston for years. and I, I remember wonder if
1: we were there at the same time.
0: Well, I I was in college there from like, uh, you know, 81 to 87. I was there 80 to 84. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I saw any productions during that point, but then I went back and started my comedy career there in like yeah. 88, 87, 88. And, uh, but I remember, who was there? Who's the guy from uh, the... the uh, Mark? The, what was that show with Malky? You remember Braz... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Mark Lynn Baker.
1: Yeah, Mark Lynn Baker. And Mark was there because Mark was a year ahead of me at Yale, and then we a lot of us went up to, to ART. Uh, Mark's still a very dear friend and uh, lives in New York. I
0: just remember him being in everything that when I was seeing yeah, him there. A,
1: he was, was and is an amazing theater actor and uh so you were there for three years i, I was yeah i was there for four four, four seasons yeah. in at art
0: oh yeah living in cambridge living in cambridge i yeah. lived in somerville before it was cool i spent many many right you know, many nights lost in Somerville. yeah you know where i worked i worked at a place called do you remember the the shopping center the garage it was yeah, in the, of the, course the coffee connection where you'd go and you'd get the french press coffee yeah, beautiful i worked there
1: I remember the garage
0: yeah i was there i was there you probably came in and had coffee it was what it was priest over
1: by like saint uh, over by uh, what is that mount auburn or
0: yeah yeah there were two the- entrances there yeah. was one next to 30 what 40 what dunster street yes yeah and there was an entrance right there and you could go in the garage which used to be a parking garage and it was all the stores but the i was in working at a coffee restaurant before starbucks and they'd serve if you were going to have more than a cup to go They'd serve it in a French press, very high endy. Oh yeah, you kind of, so very,
1: very ahead of its time. Yeah, I because I did stuff at the Hasty Pudding too. You know, yes, yeah. our our uh, our new play festival was always there every year. So
0: and were you doing uh, mostly what traditional stuff, or did you do any like crazy shit? We did a lot of crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean we did. Uh, well, we did everything. That was the beauty of of art, you know. We did some classics and reimagined classics, yeah. Shakespeare and uh, Chekhov, of course, and. Uh, but we also did, you know, Lee Brewer came up from New York. He was part of Mabu Minds. and so very, very avant-garde director. Yeah, and we had directors from England and from, you know, from from Eastern Europe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so it was a it was a real broad, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, range of, of approaches. and yeah. material. And so you got to experience that. I, I mean, mean that's yeah, the... and I think that was really good because you didn't get locked into just one kind of school of thought or one way of working. You know? Yeah. Uh, all these different demands being made on us, and um, and you could you know you didn't have to be. We were com- we were members of a company, and so you didn't have to be afraid of making a fool of yourself. You you were right. You know you were you could you could really um, you could really take risks.
0: Yeah, and you it was, it, and so like that was your gig.
1: You were a theater actor. That was what my life was. Because for that's years what, that's what we were trained for. Even when I moved to New York, yeah, after Boston, I did you know, pretty much nothing but theater for another six years. So it was like 10 solid years of doing theater. And once I was in New York, okay, then I would do like a soap opera, you know, a day player on a soap or a, or I'd do an episode of such and such. Or and then I was pre-procedural, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then I went into, um, uh, you know, like do a part, little part in a movie here. What here was and the there. first one of those? The first one of those I was completely cut out of. Yeah. That was a fun story. <laughs> but you it still was got actually, paid for it. Uh I did, but it was yeah. um it was Heartburn. It was Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson sure. directed by Mike. Mike Nichols, Nichols yeah. And I was uh, had a great little part in it and then was completely cut out of it. But, but I don't really want to to you know, go too far down that rabbit hole. Why? because <laughs> it still hurts <laughs> it does no no it was a, it was a learning experience character building uh-huh then i did a quick change what, build- was, it,
0: what was it like working with the uh, though i mean did you have enough of a part to have a relationship with him on set
1: unbelievable yeah and also he brought me in to do um uh, uh you know the the the, the, the few, few years later um Oh, God, you know, I can't remember the name of the It was with Travolta, the one about cl- the kind of Clinton candidate.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What was that called? It was primary co- Primary colors, colors yeah. And, and I would do readings for Mike Nichols all the time. And- what makes a guy like that, you know, who had done theater and done these amazing movies and was one of those guys that really kind of defined himself in theater and then moved to film and, and made a mark on film in a very experimental way early on? So what was it about him as a director that was compelling and different uh, them working with other directors
1: well, I think with Mike you just knew that first of all he had all of this body of work behind him and you have a guy with with a this sort of this mind he yeah. was so intelligent, so sophisticated, so well read so well you know traveled so well, yeah. everything and you know with Mike you just always trusted that he has this amazing giant gigantic overview yeah. of not of just what he's doing, but of of the context with in which that all sits. Yeah. And so it's it's there was always you always got the sense that it was about more than just what it was about. Right. Right. And that his his agenda or his his objective was was much more far-reaching than just that that piece of material
0: so you trusted
1: and respected oh my god and he was funny and warm and uh and yeah so so uh it was an honor to to be you know in in, you know working with him the the few times i did i I never got to do a play with him though i always would have loved to have done that do you prefer theater you know I mean, it's a weird question, but
0: it, it's so immediate and it's so exciting in a way.
1: Yeah, I get asked that a lot. Um, I don't, I, I can't, I mean, it's where I sort of started Oh, D- Different job. It's a different discipline and yeah. all of that. But the the truth is, is that I base my, you know, my decisions and also what I like and uh, on, on the material, not the venue. Right. Because... I've been in bad plays, bad production. Sure. And there's nothing more torturous than that. Uh, but you're stuck in it, you know. And I and that's been true of film and television where you're just in things and it's just the fit is just not right. But you're... But where, whereas if you're in a slot, you know, and you're feeling like you're in the right role in the right material at the right time, it doesn't matter if it's uh, it's TV or, or, or if you're just working on a street corner. It's just... it's. Uh, it's all about that,
0: right. but there is a difference when because you know, when you're working in film or TV, cut, oh, yeah, yeah like like I'm just like in like I haven't done much theater, but I do stand up, and now that i'm I'm acting a bit, I, I realize that you know, the trick of 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 doing that type of acting is to really make the time on camera, you know, immersive. like how you know, that you, there's so much time in between things. absolutely that you, it must be a whole other discipline. To sort of realize like all right
1: uh, I'm about to work for two minutes that's right <laughs> and and when it's a very you know when it's a, it's a it's an emotional scene or something where you really have to load up yeah. before you do it, it's tricky because you know they tell you we're going to do this scene in half an hour, and so you're you're gearing yourself up for that moment in 30 minutes. Yeah. And then there's some s- delay right. and then three hours later. Yeah. If you're lucky yeah. or, or we're going to do this in an hour and then, Oh, we change it. We're doing it right now. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't really load up here. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's well you're always at the mercy of the production. But if it's an emotional scene, you know, it's, uh, that's that's the challenging thing of movies because they're in television because they're all shot out of sequence. Yeah, I know. I mean, the worst story imaginable happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I was doing a film a number of years ago. It was the Siege with yeah. Denzel Washington? This is and this is a movie about a terrorist attack in New York prior to 9-11. and um, I play playing an FBI, a Lebanese American FBI agent, and I'm Denzel's partner, and it's Ed is the director, and it's really heavy-duty, great script and everything. Big Fox, uh, 20th Century Fox movie. Yeah. The Annette Benning and everything. I was doing a movie just before that. I was doing civil action out in L.A., and The Siege was going to shoot in New York, and I was supposed to have a break of about two or three weeks between... Movies That almost never happens where I get back-to-back jobs. But yeah. th- this was a rare thing, and it happened. So I had this thing. It was all scheduled. We're going to finish Civil Action, and then three weeks later, I was going to go to New York and start on the siege. Totally different character, totally different everything. Well, we got behind on Civil Action. It just, you know, we lose a day and here and there, and then, oh, my God, and we are, we're behind a week. Now we're behind two weeks. And then it looked like I wasn't even going to finish by the time they needed me in New York. Yeah. It was really right right down to the wire. Yeah. And and, and they were almost gonna have to recast me in the siege and all that because of the schedule. Ugh. It was a nightmare. And then anxiety I, on both levels. But, and this production is freaking out and this production is freaking yeah. out and I'm freaking out. My agent's freaking out. <laughs> so finally they just you know, a lot of back and forth between the producers and they were they hammered it out. And I literally finished a scene on my last scene on Civil Action, six at night in LA they, they drove me to the airport i take the red eye to new york and i start uh oh my that God. next night i i start the siege and my first scene because of the scheduling uh, jumble yeah my first scene is my big emotional scene in the movie where i'm at the there's this is kind of like an internment camp where all these uh arabs have been rounded up and 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 uh Uh, it's martial law has been declared and Uh all that stuff. And I'm, I'm looking for my son who's been rounded up and put in a pen Uh and it's the middle of winter for Christ's sake on Randolph Island or one of these places. Yeah. And uh, it's my, it's like my big peak (laughs) emotional scene of the movie. It's my first day (laughs) and I've just taken the red eye, you know, and Denzel's there and there's a, there's army trucks and there's thousands of extras. and, And I'm like, Oh, crap i haven't even met this kid i haven't met the kid who plays my son who's like a teenager you know and what happened well i pulled it out of my bag. i wish i i wish we could pull it up right now <laughs> i wish i could so the, i don't know so, you have to watch the movie i i was in a you know i was just i was so because uh, i thought i'm in a you know well movie. you're frazzled that's for sure i was frazzled man so that helped,
0: I suppose. But did you then have to like how much thought had you put into that character? I mean, did you have
1: to sort of retrofit the character from that moment? Well, like you like you Well, I had to I mean, literally on the plane <laughs> to New York, I'm reading and trying to trying to like, you know, make up some backstory for myself and yeah. sure wish I'd met that actor who plays my son who I'm so in love with, you know, <laughs> yeah. who I have to I'm dying to see yeah. and save. Right. But so I'm walking through this set. The cameras are rolling. And I'm screaming for my son. I'm screaming my son's name. I don't even know what this guy looks like. No. Oh, yeah. We hadn't even, you know. He hadn't met him when no. he played it? No, because I just arrived and it was like night and he, they're all in the thing. And and Denzel's got to be intimidating. And Denzel, I mean, Denzel, he'd already, they'd already been shooting for a couple of weeks. Right. So other stuff yeah. around me. Yeah. Because we are partners. I was in this movie for three months. Oh, my God and he was great though he is a he is a force man he yeah. is he is the most the hardest working most uh kind of disciplined and and really really serious about about his craft and you know and what he brings to it so so that was kind of an inspiration too you know just being at his side yeah. and, and then doing the scene we'd only met he he and i had only met briefly right uh and he he brought it. for yeah. me, You know. Yeah. Because because I think he understood <laughs> I was oh, I was on the hot seat. And anyway, that was uh, it's never been quite that bad. Right. <laughs> that was peak of bad. So when you did quick change, was that the was that that like your second movie? That was my well, that was my actually it was my second movie, but it was my first movie that I actually. And I, that was a funny little part. It was a really fun. The part. cab driver, right?
0: Yeah, and and then you was that the thing that kind of broke you? You think that got your visibility?
1: Yeah, I think in terms of film, sure. I mean, I was doing theater a lot in New York, and I, you know, I, you know, not, but TV too, right? I mean,
0: didn't you pick up Wings after that? That put you on the map a little. That quick change did.
1: I don't know if that did or because I remember the producers of Wings, uh, who then also went on to do Frazier. Those guys used to come to New York a lot, and they were real into theater. Yeah. And they were loved theater actors. Yeah. So I think maybe maybe they had seen me in a play or something.
0: Yeah. Or and maybe it
1: was quick change. And Wings, like that that's what made you move out here the first time? I didn't... Ha- no, I moved out before I had Wings. I you just, did? Yeah, I'd been in New York for about six years and I wanted to see what was L- L.A. was like. So I came out, I didn't have anything out here. Um, I, I got that a uh, number of months after I was here. And that was a hell of a job. I mean... Oh, that-, that was a sweet gig. I mean that was for years, right? I mean, <laughs> you know the well that when I was uh, on it six years, I because I came into it late. You know, it had already been on for a year before I got into it because I came just to do one episode, and then they wanted me to they want to bring me
0: back. I just remember there was a period on television where Wings reruns were everywhere, <laughs> you know, that like
1: every station you were
0: watching uh, Wings uh, somehow.
1: It was a really cool group of people, and um. um You know, what was cool about Wings was I had never done sitcom before. I'd never done Uh multi-cam. I hadn't done that much TV, really. Yeah. And what was sweet about it was that we did it in front of a live audience. Oh, yeah. So the theater, all the theater that I had done and my background in theater, it was sort of came into play because we had uh, immediate feedback. And and so it was kind of a hybrid. And and, uh, and also, you know, I was newly married and my kids were young and, and where that's did you meet your wife i met my wife uh doing a play on broadway uh we were doing uh i was doing heidi chronicles uh-huh and she came in to replace someone and oh and then it was all uh, i remember her from
0: movies from oh. the dead zone like she's do like invasion of the body snaps. yeah she's, days of
1: heaven yeah yeah she's, she's great she's still going and, and she's so great and you've been together a long time we've been together um uh well we've been We'll be married twenty seven years in April. So that's great, amazing. Yeah. So let's talk Barton Fink
0: for a minute, <laughs> okay? Because uh, like I talk to people about the Coens, that character is so fucking memorable, and that movie is is literally one of my favorite movies. Period. That was maybe my second movie, right? Um, but that character was it Ben Geisler, which stomach Geisler. problem? Geisler. Yeah. yeah, Geisler. Yeah, yeah. What was that say? like? Because I think that for me. Like a lot of people, Hail Caesar, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. Like that as a double feature, I think would be the greatest
1: Hollywood double feature. <laughs> oh, because it's all the studios. Well, yeah, it's like the same, you
0: know, it, it's, it's it's literally the same world, but like quite different looks into that.
1: The them. tone. Yeah, yeah. The tone. Is the great. wrestling picture. Now, Wallace <laughs> Beery. The wrestling picture. What <laughs> do you need? A roadmap? <laughs> great words. Yeah. that's. Uh, what, what, I had seen them. Um, I, I, I didn't know them but I had seen Blood Simple, uh-huh. uh, and, uh, whatever was right at, was it, was it, um, uh, Raising Arizona? Yeah. Raising something. Arizona. Great. Something. I don't know where that falls in the lineup, but I was mad for Blood Simple and that was, and, and, and then when I got this call to come and audition for them, and I was like, Oh my God, I want that! I don't even have to read the script. I just want to do it. Yeah. And, um, so I auditioned in New York. I was living yeah. in New York and, uh, they they were very uh receptive but they said hey you know listen we're uh we're going out to la to read people yeah so uh, we're just gonna i wasn't i wasn't gonna get an answer right 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 you don't have to always wait but yeah i was really impatient with this one and so they went out to la and weeks passed three maybe four weeks passed and i just hope that they didn't find another ben geisler out there so, uh, they didn't, then they came back and <clears throat> I don't know, maybe I did a call back. I'm pretty sure I did a call back.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then they went to LA and then, um, and then they gave it to me and it was uh unbelievable experience. Yeah. Why? Well, I had never worked with two directors before, uh-huh. uh, you know, in the same picture, but, but also just their, their writing. Yeah. It's, I'm sure you can, you know, as an actor, you can see, sense it too. It's. It's written in such a rhythm. It 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 really almost plays itself uh-huh. in a way. Uh huh. You you sort of step on the train and it carries you. Wow. And um, when I read it, when I read this character in, uh-huh. for my audition, it it just I can't explain it, but somehow the 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 mantle of this character or the voice of the character just, it just came to me. Uh Uh-huh. It was a, I I read it as, as I, I sort of heard it in my head as a cross between Jackie Mason and Yogi Bear. Right. Remember Yogi Bear? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Hey boo boo. And I thought, Oh my God, it's, it's, it's almost like that's how they were. Of course I've never had this conversation with them, and I'm sure they didn't intend that. Yeah. But that's how it struck me. Uh Uh-huh. And I thought, I wonder if I could do Jackie Mason and Yogi Bear combined. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started playing with that, and then... That was it. That was Ben So It was was just this crazy crazy. Have you gone out for any of their other movies? Oh, I did. A number of years later, I did uh, The Man Who Wasn't There.
0: Uh, oh you know, yeah, Bill, yeah. Right, right,
1: yeah 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 uh, that was a totally different character i played a, a lawyer named uh, freddie Riedenschneider. you know they that was a, i didn't have to read for that one they they just, they just, got, they just yeah. want me for that one. but it's been a long time since i've worked for them so
0: yeah you know, i'd love to
1: get back into that
0: i table. worked with uh, M- michael lerner played my mother's husband You're on right? my on my show on Marin on, oh, on ifc oh my god
1: for one episode crazy man that's for sure <laughs> he's a real character, buddy. he's a character. But but, but I I got to work with uh, John Taturo in and Barton Fink, you know, and and I didn't you know, I had known John just a little bit. He was yeah. at Yale after me. So but we came out of the same, you know, program and yeah. everything. So it was a we had a blast. And um and an actor who just died um a few years ago, uh John Polito.
0: Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. Oh my god. So funny.
1: One of the funniest loveliest, best actors. And they used him a lot. I mean, yeah. he just kept pulling him into sure. every, yeah, every yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Wabowski. Uh, he and also man. was in The Man Who Wasn't There. Uh, I, I actually asked him to come on. When I was doing Monk, I asked him to come on and do um, a, a part uh uh-huh. I, I can't remember the character's name, but he was like the hot dog king. You know, the guy who runs all the yeah the, the hot dog cart yeah place yeah. And uh, was we walk into this thing to talk to him, and the place is filthy. People are picking up hot dogs off the floor and putting them in the water. I mean, it was really a. And he's always got one in his fist. You know, <laughs> I could not look at him. It was so funny. Um, but I and weirdly, I knew John way before that because when I was at Yale to pull this full circle. I was doing a production at the Rep of Measure for Measure. Chris Walken was in it, and and that's the first time I met John Polito. He was playing uh, Lucio or somebody. Uh huh. Like. Anyway, and he's funny. What a character! Yeah, wow, what a lovely, crazy, funny guy. Uh, yeah, you were on Monk a long time. Uh, I was eight years. Yeah, eight seasons. Do you find that that's the the one that uh, people identify you most with? Yeah, it takes a while for. You know that's what I like about Maisel too. It's 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 just starting now to unravel the that image of Monk, just the way Monk unraveled the image of Antonio Scarpaci from yeah. Wings. Yeah, TV
0: is weird like that. It
1: is. Do you find that?
0: Well, I don't know. I I mean I I'm, I've just started doing it, but uh, it's a, and it's a different type of television. I mean, you know, when Wings was on, it was like you know almost everybody was watching it.
1: Well, there, yeah. there wasn't. There weren't four hundred. That's outlets. right. There
0: was like four, three, yeah. and then by the time uh, Monk got on, there was a few more, but still not the same as now.
1: Yeah. What was
0: that on USA or USA? Yeah. And now it's just like you know, free yeah. for all. Yeah. Now it's
1: a mile wide and an inch deep, as they say.
0: Yeah, but I, uh, uh, a dear friend of mine who I love and I work with sometimes, we do uh, we do broadcasts together. Tom Sharpling wrote for him. I Emma. love
1: Tom. It's great. Oh, my God. So he's so funny. Really, he's, what a mine. Smart guy, yeah. I think he probably, we did eight seasons. Tom had to have been on six Yeah, minimum. Yeah, yeah, great
0: guy. You ever really. listen to his radio show? Yeah. Yeah, it's love funny. Him. He's so
1: funny, man. He's really got a...
0: We do these things called Mark and Tom shows. We've done three of them. We're about to do another <laughs> one. Where we just, oh, oh, let me know when you do I that. will, I, yeah. I, we got one coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks. We'd record. Like, when we have time, we'll just sit with Mike, just me and him, and just talk like the, the two guys we are, <laughs> yeah. you know, who live on the microphones. And yeah. it's usually fun for both of our fans. So, when I saw you, when we did that roundtable together last year. Oh,
1: yeah. The Hollywood Reporter.
0: Yeah. You you would just I, I think you would just come back from the from the genealogy journey to Lebanon right?
1: Didn't yeah, you? I think. Well, I did that right after we shot Maisel in Paris. Oh, so you were going? You hadn't I gone think yet. I was going. And what happened? So you what was what drove you? What, what, well, what, what was well? I was been wanting to go to Lebanon. You know, for my entire life. Yeah, because um, uh, hearing and reading so much about it. But I'll never uh, had the opportunity. And when the opportunity did arise a couple of times, then something bad would happen over there. And it was on, it was impossible. Right. So we were going to Paris and, know, and knowing we had a break right after Paris to, before we had to continue Maisel. Um, I asked my wife, said, look, this would be a great time to go where we're, we're halfway there. We're yeah. almost there and we have time. So, so uh, yeah, we set it up. And we went for a week. Wow! In April, early April, when the weather was fantastic, uh-huh. and I went, we stayed in Beirut, but we um, we would hire a car every day yeah. to take us to different. You know, it's not a very big country. so yeah. we would go in a different direction every day. But I got to see the village where my dad was born, and even the house where he. Grew, you know, grew up. Really? It was incredible. how do you get that information? It, it was not easy. It went, went through, a, through a number of different channels, you know, with uh, people we were traveling with uh, knew this woman who's a lawyer and then she made a call to this other person and then uh-huh. they, they got in town with a little mayor of this little village and then, you know, mentioned my name and, you know, would it be possible for him to see the thing? And, it was it was amazing we 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 met with these people in the village and then they walked us over to the house and yeah. the man who now owns the house just happened he doesn't even live there he just lives in Montreal or something, but yeah. he happens to visit there a month a year and so we he let us in and it was open arms oh wow. it was incredibly moving I mean the garden was the you know the almond trees are there and the grapevines and oh my god it was I was trying to. Sh- you know photograph and video everything i could yeah and i was able to get a lot and i don't speak arabic so it was we always had to have a translator with uh-huh us. And, uh, uh, did you have people there yeah the, i mean do you have I relatives did, you know i didn't find relatives there this time i wasn't really looking for relatives uh-huh. to be honest because we had a limited amount of time i was really focusing on just seeing as much of the country as i can could and the village and then I thought if I go back, then I'll get into the whole because that's a whole time consuming thing. You can't just Oh to attract relatives. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I yeah, think yeah. it really is. And yeah. and I would want to spend time and anyway, our time was limited, so we accomplished what we could. We saw a lot of uh a lot of the country and it's, a, it's just an extraordinary place. It's Did you feel connected? Very much. Mm. Very much so. Hmm. And uh was your mom Lebanese? My mom was, well, yes. She, uh, her father was Lebanese and her mother was, I think, from Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, but that was, you know, sort of her mother's, uh, I mean, her family, my mother's family was from the same village that my father was from. So wow. they all, you know, it was all. What fine. village? It's it's a little village called Abla and it's on the edge of a larger area, uh, city called Zahle. mm and um, this is an area where, um, I don't know if you know this, but Omar Sharif
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, was uh, actually Lebanese. His, in fact, his name, his real name, was the same as mine, same last name. Salub. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, his he everyone uh, uh, thought he was Egyptian because he grew up in Egypt. Yeah. But he's really, I think his father was from this clan. Uh-huh. And so um, his family also was from this same area yeah anyway that's a little movie possibly trip. yeah possibly there's were even related in some you think so strange fashion well I did I was at the Golden Globes did you fix last the gap week. in your teeth <laughs> yeah I did <laughs> uh, but I tell you if I showed you pictures of my dad when he was young and Omar Sharif oh my god didn't crazy. he have a gap in his teeth or am I not remembering oh, yes, correctly oh, yeah, 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 yeah. very uh, amazing so but I, at the Golden Globes last week I uh, ran into um, his grandson Omar uh-huh who I had met last year yeah. at the Globes, he's in and, show business, and um, he must be because he's at the Golden Globes. Yeah, right. But he's um, really a fine, fine-looking young man. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we, I took a picture with him and everything. And he always said my grandfather thought that we were related. He you know, so um,
0: you're gonna have to track it, man. You're
1: gonna have to do I it am, someday. I am gonna track it, and I'm I'm really sorry I never got to meet Omar Sharif. But
0: yeah, but that's interesting. I I can't like. It must be like a complete mind-blowing thing to, to you know to have your history in that defined a place or that u- unique a place. Yes, and then just to go see it for the first time, it must be
1: mind-blowing. It was. It I, was. It was incredibly emotional, and uh, and I, 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 you you can't even take it all in. It, there's just so much going on there, so much to it, so complicated. The the politics and, yeah. the, and the economy and the and everything that's going on in the region, you know, it's. Uh...
0: But you must look around and think like I look like these
1: folks. Yeah, like I, oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there's my cousin, so and so. Exactly,
0: because right. like as a Jew, even though there's a Semitic uh, connection, I mean, I get I don't know how many generations I have to go to get back to the desert. I mean, I, for yeah. me to do what you did, I got to go to Poland and Russia. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, right. I don't. I I've I've often thought about it. But I don't know, Poland doesn't seem that hospitable. Russia it seems interesting to me, but I don't know if it's a great time to go. But maybe I'm
1: wrong. I, I maybe, think, I, yeah, maybe. It, well, you know, really in Lebanon, it, that's always been an issue. It, 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 when is a good time to go? Yeah, uh, Because everything right now, or when I was there almost, uh, eight months ago, you know, it was in a relative period of calm, but... The, everyone there is thinking well when's the other shoe going to drop and right when, when is the next crisis going to hit well, now and the whole world's thinking like that <laughs> <laughs> we're doing that here now i'm doing that <laughs> i'm doing that in
0: los angeles yeah every day what's gonna fucking happen next oh, but you my. did go that's good for you yeah i'm glad i did it and i really would like to go back well you will it's great talking to you tony oh mark I could talk to you forever. Thanks. And gra- and congrats on the show. It's really a, a sweet show. And on yours. Thank you. Wonderfully done. Thank you. What a great conversation. What a what genuinely a nice guy. Uh as I said before, the second season of the Marvelous Miss Mazel is now streaming on Amazon Prime. Go watch it. Uh you can also go to podswag.com/slash WTF or the merch page at WTFpod.com. Uh, there's new signed posters. There's T-shirts. There's signed books. And later this week, uh, there's going to be some copies of uh, my last special Too Real, on vinyl. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a song for uh, and just make something up. Just riff a thing for uh, for Buster. Ugh. Okay. <laughs>